now how to draw a man who has lived all his life in the world of one to many how to draw him from many to one and only if he is drawn from many to one he can even be ready to move from and this is what growing into meditation is many to one one to none many to one first i bring myself to a single point of connectivity and from that one point of connectivity i move into a state of none so how to help you to experience this so they decided if this state has to be experienced to you mind intellect and emotions have to be transcended now how will you transcend them first let's take the mind so they said your mind is always agitated your mind is always playing games with you it is sitting right there with me and twice it has already gone outside and come something is discussed here and with that one discussion you take that one statement you go off to something else you have already heard and it wanders everywhere in fact when you come back you sometimes wonder how suddenly you came to this subject no i am continuously only coming you went and came just now <laughs> so the mind is wandering all the time so this mind has to somehow be quietened how do i quieten the mind visually if i have to give a representation let us say all of you sitting here you are not individuals but you are different projectors and right now this is a white screen and it's not just red velvet but it's a white screen each one of these projectors is beaming a different movie into the same screen so from here one english movie is coming from here one malayalam movie one telugu movie one hindi movie one old hindi movie and everything is beamed here what will i see on the screen chaos absolute chaos let's take each one of these as different projectors p1 p2 p3 p4 p5 pn n projectors now if i have to see a clear picture on the screen i should find a way by which only one projector is kept on and all the other projectors have to be switched off now how do i ensure only one projector is on and all the other projectors are switched off the electricity that is there to keep all these projectors on now what i will do is i will give it to a pn plus 1 projector and i will not give electricity to this p1 to pn because there is no more energy for them to function p1 to pn will automatically switch itself off and the only projector that will be on right now will be pn plus 1 and what will i see on the screen a very clear picture many to one so the first thing they said they need to give you is some ritual some ritualistic practice by which you only give all your attention to that 1 pn plus 1 and by giving your entire attention to that 1 pn plus 1 and refusing to give that attention to anything else everything else will switch itself off that pn plus 1 can be jabam you are going on continuously chanting your navkar mantra multiple times and right now it's not that just because you start chanting your navkar mantra all the time it's going to be on pn plus 1 pn plus 1 here is navkar mantra so as you are chanting suddenly hmm coffee ready mind will go to coffee because coffee is being made then you tell yourself no pn plus 1 complete 108 times you have vowed to chant come back here then again the mind was late somebody pick up the phone it's ringing then you tell yourself why unnecessarily p8 is on pn plus 1 you continue to chant so some of you 
practice vipassana here. Vipassana of you being conscious of your breath, you being conscious of your movement, PN plus one. Rolling the rosary bead, PN plus one. Traditionally, you'll see in a temple, a lot of people walk one step at a time, one step at a time, PN plus one. In front of a Ganesha temple, you'll find somebody else doing squats, PN plus one. Somebody will keep writing, same chant so many times, PN plus one. Continuing to close the eyes and keep on repeating a mantra, PN plus one. Gazing at a candle, PN plus one. Throwing one flower at a time and performing a yagna, PN plus one. A ritual that is performed, which is repetitive in nature, whatever it is, a ritual performed, repetitive in nature, so that in repeating that continuously, I do not allow my mind to wander into anything, but I gently draw the mind back to that one PN plus one. The idea is, first let me continuously train the mind to move from many to one. Once I get the mind to move from many to one, then I can move from one to none. Let me switch off all the projectors and have only one projector on. I'll have a clear picture on the screen. Then a time will come in my life where even that one projector can be switched off. Now you'll have an empty screen. First attain concentration of mind. Then you can drop that one flow of thought also and slip into meditation. So when you get initiated into meditation, the reason you get initiated into meditation is you are given some process, some chanting, some mantra, some methodology by which it becomes your PN plus one. First reach that stage where when you are with your PN plus one, you are not with anything else. Then a time will come when this also can be dropped. Metaphorically, again if I have to explain, it's like doing the pole vault. See, for me to transcend that height, I cannot transcend that height without the help of a pole. So I use the help of the pole and here that pole is PN plus one. Some ritual that you practice on a regular basis, on a daily basis. One thing let me clarify, unlike like all of the other things that you practice in life, you will never experience that state of meditation if you don't practice it on a daily basis. This is not time management where when I am free I will do. Monday, Wednesday, don't bring time management into this. Dinacharya, it must be practiced on a daily basis. It has to be on a daily basis. There is no question of today there is no time, tomorrow I will do half an hour extra meditation. No, it doesn't work that way. Aaj ka kana aaj. Today's teeth must be brushed today. You can't brush tomorrow. The whole area will smell. Spiritual practices has to be on a daily basis. Absenteeism is not allowed in spiritual quest. In fact, you sitting in the seat of meditation on a daily basis, imperfectly done, will give you far greater results in life than once in a way sitting perfectly. The day you do puja, you want to completely do. Other days you don't have. It doesn't work that way. This is, now that you are a spiritual seeker, now that you have decided to give this, that exalted importance in your life, it has to be a dinacharya in you. It has to be on a daily basis. 
for a few minutes what is done on a daily basis is going to take you far greater and further in your life than you doing it once in a way. The day he meditates, he'll sit for one and a half hours. Otherwise he doesn't sit. No, it will not give you results. It has to be, God cannot be an aspect of time management. He has to be integrated into your daily life. I cannot prescribe to any of this part-time devotee. You have to be a full-time devotee. Everything else can be managed. Everything else can be prioritized. This does not come under your priority. This is part of your life. Like you breathe, you shall seek. I need the pole. I need some practice by which I can quieten this mind. But what is important is, without the pole, I cannot transcend that height. With the pole also, I can't transcend the height. I need to plant the pole. I need to gain that altitude. And there is a point at which I need to let go of that pole for me to transcend that height. So what is important is I have seen a lot of you take in a mantra and keep practicing this mantra on a regular basis. But what I have seen is as you keep practicing the mantra and your quota of 108 or your quota of 10 minutes is over, the moment you finish, you immediately open your eyes, you get up and leave. The terminal experience after that ritual is more important than the process itself. The process itself. The few minutes after you perform the entire prayer in that mandir, the terminal experience you sit for a few more minutes is more important than the process itself because now you have to let go of the pole and see now what happens. One of the reasons, even if some of you have been practicing certain processes to experience that silence for years together, and if you are not yet close to that silence, the reason is that you go with the pole and you keep holding the pole, you come back with the pole. It is not enough that I am able to chant whatever is the mantra. I, I, as much as possible, I try not to bring in religious connotations into any of my references will be there. No religious connotations because I don't want anybody to feel any resistance in any of the programs. Whatever is the mantra. But after practicing it for a few minutes, you got to be in non-doing. After a discourse is over with him and the time to leave has come, Rajan, but I want to see him again there. See him and after he goes, then and there, under a tree, near a bench somewhere, sit for a few minutes into non-doing. Read the scripture, close the scripture, don't get up. For a few moments, be in non-doing. PN plus one you have practiced. You have to just give yourself an opportunity where that projector is switched off now and see if one becomes none. Most of you continue to do only many to one. You don't give yourself that opportunity for one to none to happen. You've gone inside the rose garden and stood long enough in the rose garden. And it's a magnificent experience of standing inside a rose garden long enough because when you come out of the rose garden, you smell roses. But having come out, you should take a few moments to feel the fragrance of the rose garden outside the rose garden. Because right now the fragrance is emanating from you, not from the roses. So as much as a process is, you have finished your pranayama, that is why a yoga session ends with savasana. After you have done all the doing, 
for some time lie down there and not doing and just experience. That is why in the Hindu tradition they always used to say, after you complete the entire process, for a few minutes sit there in the temple in a state of non-doing. The terminal experience is as important as the process itself. So they said, let's give people some rituals. Followed by a terminal experience where not only he has a PN plus one, but he is able to experience beyond the PN plus one, many to one, one to none. So the first necessity to lead you to meditation was concentration of your mind was required. And the only way to develop concentration of your mind was you had to be given a process for you to move from many to one so that you can experience one to none. The same many to one had to be also practiced intellectually. So often we are almost confused about should I do, should I not do? Is this right or is this wrong? Is this higher or is this lower? So we always go into a lot of intellectual predicament. So they realized even intellectually if you have to transcend your intelligence, then you cannot have so much of a split and agitated intelligence. And hence through scriptures, religion always gave you a set of right and wrong. So there is a Jain system of what is right and wrong if you are a Jain follower. There is a Bible way of right and wrong if he is a Christian follower. There is a Quran way of right and wrong. Basically the founders of religion are saying, you may not yet have the maturity for you to understand what is right and wrong. So I will think on your behalf and tell you what is right and wrong. You just align yourself to my sense of right and wrong and live by it. In a context like you, where you grow as a seeker in the presence of a guru like that, for you what happens is, what you have learned from him defines your right and wrong. Because your understanding of your religion itself is through his explanations. So what you have perceived and comprehended from his explanation of right and wrong becomes the basis of your right and wrong. So that is why sometimes when you don't follow what he teaches, you feel guilty. Something within you is telling you, what is the point in you going and learning the right and wrong from him? You are not living by that right and wrong. You feel that split within you. Concentration of mind was required. Integrity of intelligence is required. Integrity of intelligence is, within me there is no split between right and wrong. What is right alone I shall do and what is not right I shall not do. No matter what the materialistic compensation may be. I know it's quite demanding for all of you who live a materialistic life. It's quite challenging because sometimes we easily flaunt with our ethical, moral values in order to have a materialistic gain. That is why in the Bible it is said, if you continue to believe hook or crook, compromising on all forms of ethics and morality, I still want to become rich in life. If you are one such rich man, then remember, a camel can go through the eye of a needle, but a rich man will not enter the kingdom of God unless you are willing to become rich through ethical and moral ways. You cannot continue to live as a split personality, disintegrated personality, and continue to experience. I know, sometimes living your life with the highest integrity will create certain materialistic deprivations in life. But watch your life and you'll realize for every materialistic deprivation, there is a spiritual compensation. Sometimes by just letting it go, don't continue to repeat the mistake which Duryodhana did. 
कृष्णा ऑफर टू अर्जुना एंड दुर्योधना एट वन एंड आई विल बी देयर एंड ओनली आई विल बी देयर एंड आई शैल नॉट इवन फाइट एट द अदर एंड ऑल माय रिसोर्सेज विल बी देयर ऑल माय आर्मी वेपन्स एवरीथिंग विल बी देयर माय किंगडम विल बी देयर एंड दे विल फाइट व्हाट डू यू वांट टू चूज अर्जुना सेड आई विल टेक यू कृष्णा दुर्योधना थॉट व्हाट अ फूल why will you take somebody who will simply be there who does not even want to do anything duryodhana was absolutely delighted because he got the kingdom of god he thought kingdom of god is more important than god modern man continues to make the same mistake in order to acquire a little more from the kingdom of god so often he feels he can sacrifice on his god as long as there is divided disintegrated split integrity you are never going to feel unified and if you don't feel unified you cannot transcend if you don't transcend you can't experience meditation and if you cannot experience meditation you are not going to transcend crying don't take human birth and live and die still crying please don't miss this chance it's a great opportunity for you to be born as a human being it's a great opportunity for you to be living as a human being to find a living guru it's a great opportunity for you as a living human being to find a living guru having the spark of spiritual seeking within you with everything intact for the sake of a few materialistic gains don't miss this opportunity to experience meditation you were not born to miss that opportunity to experience that unison between you and god don't miss this chance don't repeat the mistake which duryodhana did he thought the kingdom of god was greater than god and later he realized he made a mistake on the contrary krishna asked arjuna arjuna i will not even fight arjuna and arjuna says what else shall i seek than you krishna but arjuna i won't fight and arjuna says you will be there right that is enough for me nothing else is required i just want you to be there that's all in fact it's not in the relevance of the subject i'm discussing but duryodhana goes back to his court he's excited he breaks the news to everybody there in the kauravas court that fool arjuna he took krishna who will not fight i took everything else and came and he thinks he has won vedavyas doesn't go into the details but he just depicts an image there of there is line of tears in dhridrashtra's eyes he's not saying anything but the father realizes you have no chance to win against god if god be with us who can be against us and how is anybody going to win against god you have left god that side and come you don't have a chance i firmly believe integrity of intelligence in the context of a modern world will create some element of materialistic deprivation but i promise for every materialistic deprivation there is a spiritual compensation which is worth it integrity of intelligence equanimity of emotions every religion discusses the philosophy of life it explains to you what is life it explains to you how you should view life it explains to you why what happens to you in life happens and how you should perceive it basically to create equanimity of emotions 
you are told not to hate because when you hate you are agitated in emotions you are told anger is a lower choice to tolerance because when you are angry you feel agitated there's no equanimity of emotions every religion is asking you to love every religion is asking you to forgive every religion is asking you to be happy every religion is asking you to accept every religion is asking you to be grateful every religion is asking you to live in devotion because that is when you experience equanimity of emotions which means they basically realized if you have to transcend crying you have to experience that state between the form and the formless to experience the state between the form and the formless you need to meditate to qualify yourself for the seat of meditation you need to attain that state concentration of mind integrity of intelligence equanimity of emotions and that which provided the way for all the three is called religion religion is derived from two latin words re legere re means again legere means origin the path that can take you again to your origin is called religion so the purpose of religion is to prepare you to the seat of meditation so that you can experience that meditation and transcend crying and experience the divine if you realize what is the context of your entire relationship with the ashram you'll realize nothing else but you are given certain weekly disciplines for you to experience that concentration of mind whenever there is chaos within you where you don't know what is right and wrong a clarity is provided to you about what sort of integrity of intelligence you need to have any time you are a little disturbed and you are little agitated either by personally answering a question or through the various discourses and satsangs you are given that equanimity of emotions it may not happen in one day it may not happen in a few sessions but you realize over a period of time having grown with this path i can see i'm lot more equanimous with my emotions i'm lot more integrated with my decision making with my intelligence and i can see there is a lot of concentration and focus with my mind eventually that which gives you concentration of mind integrity of intelligence and equanimity of emotions is religion by whatever name it is called it is religion because the purpose of religion itself is to take you again to your origin and you can go to your origin only with these three things attained so in the context of your relationship with the ashram what you need to examine is in this three where are you predominantly lacking see chances are some of you sitting here have already attained that concentration of mind when you are able to sit you are able to only focus on that chanting when you are able to practice pranayam you don't even leave your body even for a moment there is concentration maybe you have attained but you continue to keep enjoying have very good concentration do you have integrity of intelligence then you should tell yourself this year my focus is going to be i'm going to listen to all the satsangs and take all the decisions to attain that integrity of intelligence maybe there is a lot of integrity of intelligence not for a moment you deviate from what you have learned about what is right and what is wrong but you are still very agitated emotionally you still easily get disturbed still anybody can provoke you still a lot of those negative emotions there is a gap between 
who you are in his presence and how you behave in his absence, which means you're still not experiencing that equanimity of emotions. If I were you, that will become my focus right now. How do I attain that equanimity of emotions? So somewhere define a purpose, a direction for you to be growing in this path. Find out in this three where you are lacking. Some of you may be lacking in all the three. Start from where you can start. One at a time, one step at a time. Even a Mount Everest can be scaled one step at a time. What is not possible for man if we can endeavor in the right direction long enough and with an energy that is willing to carry you through? So up to this, one, the only desire in you is to experience that state of unison. The only way you are going to experience that state of unison is through meditation. The only way you are going to experience meditation is by transcending the three intermediate personalities of mind, intellect and emotions. And the only way you will be able to transcend those three intermediate personalities is by first achieving concentration of mind, integrity of intelligence and equanimity of emotions. Now how do I achieve that? They realize the people who walked in, they realized traditionally from the beginning hero worship has always been part of you. You like to be led. You want somebody to show you the path. You want somebody to direct you. For you more than what is said, who says it is very, very important. So they realized Unless they give a symbol from which all this wisdom comes, you may not embrace it. And in order to give you that symbol that you can embrace, a concept called God was invented. Don't think too far. Think along with me. Let me explain. What God is invention? Just go with me. Don't go ahead. 5.30 you go ahead. Till 5.30 be with me. Come with me. Whenever man observed an effect and found out the cause, it is discovery. The discovered God is that formless presence. And that's what Jainism also refers to. God is a formless presence. In fact, the moment you say God is omnipresent, which means present in everything and present everywhere, it can only be formless. The discovered God is the formless God. Whenever man observed an effect and found out the cause, it's discovery. The discovered God is a formless God. But he realized the limitation of man. The picture is not him. You shouldn't ideally need a picture to think of him. He should be with you all the time. But right now, you have not reached that state where I can feel the presence all the time. And hence, a symbol is provided for you to direct that mind. I don't have to necessarily go and sit only under the tree in that amphitheater to feel one with him. But I have not reached that stage yet. See, you will reach a stage where when you close your eyes, only his form will come to you. But if you have not reached that stage yet, and in between, a lot of other unwanted thoughts also come in there, you need something to direct yourself towards. And because you need something to direct yourself towards, a God in form is provided. A symbol in form is provided. 
The flag is not the nation, but the flag symbolizes the nation. The picture is not God, but the picture to me is God. If I have to give you a simple example, I would say this. Let's say I carry the picture of my son in my wallet. And when I show it to you, I will not tell you this is a Kodak paper on which a digital impression of my son's face has been done. I will only tell you, this is my son. I am not ignorant enough not to know this is only a photograph. But in spirit, the photograph of my son is my son. Papa is not there anymore. Papa's picture is there on the wall. Your son has to now leave for the exam. You will not say, Beta, go and stand in front of Papa's picture. You will only say, Beta, take Daddu's Ashirwad and then go for your exam. Because that in spirit is your father. The sculptor also knows he only sculpted the entire statue and brought from there. When he was working on it, it is a sculpture. After he has touched it, it's not a sculpture, it's God. The things have changed. The easiest way I can explain this to you is, a seeker asked once, how do I call you? Do I call you master? Do I call you teacher? Do I call you Gurudev? Do I call you Bhagwan? Do I call you by name? Do I call you beloved? How do I call you? With a smile, the master replied, When you call me a master, you become a disciple. When you call me a teacher, you become a student. When you call me Guru, you become a seeker. When you call me Bhagwan, you become a devotee. When you call me beloved, you become a lover. When you call me by name, you become my contemporary. And it seems the master smiled one more time and said, How you call me makes no difference to me, but it makes all the difference to you. It makes all the difference to you. How you see this room, the electrician who comes and works here, for him it's a room. For you, it's a place of, it's your temple. For somebody else, that's a piece of artwork. But for you, it's not a piece of artwork. 